I gotta take a deep breath. I I had dinner at CC's and I'm very, very full. Yes. um, First world problems, man. No. (laughs) While I was eating, I was like, man, CC's is gonna be my what's making me happy this week. (laughs) And then by the end of the meal, I was like, never mind. It's the opposite. (laughs) On this episode of The Pour Over, Joe and Dill discuss the next episode of Westworld, The Stray, and talk about what we do about coffee when we travel. Do we stray away from our typical routine, or do we drag along our gooseneck kettle? Stay tuned to find out. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Joe, and Dill. Uh, Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. So, Dill, how's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Um, In regards to coffee, I mean, I've been having some pretty good brews this week, uh, just brewing at home and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, something we talked about, and we'll actually probably talk more about in a different episode. But you know, I got this coffee compass that um, kind of has a lot of bunch of ad- adjectives about the coffee, mm-hmm. and you drink it, and depending where it is, it tells you how you should move and what you should do with your brew um, mm-hmm. to make it better. Basically, you know, you extract yeah. more, extract less, um, and whatnot. But uh, I've been following that, and I think it's, it's helping me out. Um, it's easy for me to just make the coffee like I do every day, I think, and just keep yeah. drinking it and not really think about it and not right. really try to make it better. But I think this week I, I've been trying to make it a little bit better. Um, and today's was pretty good, I, I would say. Dude, that's a great way to start your day is a successful cup of coffee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I need to take my coffee game from like a muddy adjective to like luscious. <laughs> Or, I don't know, <laughs> what are the other ones they use on there? Uh, cool. Um, yeah, I I am um, excited to talk about our episode of Westworld today. And unfortunately, my coffee game has not been strong. I have honestly been buying a lot of coffee, which might be a good uh, indication of what I do when I go traveling and stuff. Mm. I'm very lazy, yeah, with that. So I, I, yeah, I, I spend a lot of money on coffee. Um, yeah, any recent coffee pickups or gear pickups for you? Uh, yeah, I guess some follow-up from last week's episode when I said my beans were a little subpar. Um, yeah, I went and bought some beans that I know are good. You know, last week I talked about Oak Cliff coffee roasters and so i went and got a bag of those and so that's why that also has helped my coffee game to be a little bit stronger um yeah so i i picked up the beans and immediately noticed the difference so yeah what about you yeah uh for me um let's see i was very tempted to buy a um a new pour over set oh uh, i was gonna yeah i was gonna order the um hario starter kit because i don't really have i don't well i have one um pour over uh filter uh drip thing and uh it's cracked actually on the bottom so yeah that ultimately doesn't affect the coffee making too much but 
it uh it just um it's kind of ugly yeah and, it affects yeah. your your emotional coffee experience you make it in the morning yeah 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 and, and my connection to that particular coffee gear is not very strong at this point you know we've been through a lot but mm. it's time to move on oh man it's hard to say goodbye sometimes it really is it's so hard to say goodbye oh. but um you got to do it if you want to move forward. Yeah. So what what comes in that Hario starter kit? It's a it's it's a great deal. It comes with um, the um, actual glass Hario V60. Mm-hmm. It comes with a um, a receptacle for your coffee. I think it's just like a regular kettle, uh, not kettle, but like a little. Uh, uh Carif. it's just cur- yeah carafe yeah, yeah sure that. yeah um and i think it comes with a couple filters mm. yeah so and i think that all together is maybe 16 bucks 16 like one six yeah what i yeah i think i think my my brewer was like 20 and <laughs> then i have the hario um uh, pitcher thing, carafe, carafe, however, we're saying that, and that, yeah. I think that also costs a bit too. Oh, interesting. Oh, mm, yeah, yeah. It's um, I would have to double check on Amazon. It could be sixteen or twenty six, but either way, I think when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's a great deal. I'll just pick that up because I don't have a carafe anyways. I just pour it usually straight into my tumbler. Okay. Um. Uh, but I've been suspect about that recently, too, just because I think it's affecting the way my coffee's tasting. Oh, your tumbler? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? Like, there might be flavors that are kind of implanted into the insides, or um, I don't know. It's just maybe something's happening between the metal and and or the plastic, because I have plastic tumblers, too. Oh, okay. And the coffee. Yeah, I have some stainless steel ones, and I, I've i noticed over months of usage that the color inside the thermos changes. It, it went mm-hmm. from, like, that stainless steel color to now it's kind of like this golden color. I mean, it doesn't look bad oh. or anything, but mm-hmm. I, think the, I think the coffee oil, the coffee residue, is actually kind of hard to get off. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, do you have any good coffee shop experiences? Yeah, I, there's generally um, some good coffee shops around my area. Um, you know, I'm not like super snobby. Like, I won't go to Starbucks. Um, I just went there today, actually. Um, but there's a there's kind of like a local chain called Boston Stoker here in Centerville, and. Um, uh, they're pretty legit. Like when you ask for a pour over, they will ask you if you want a Chemex or a V60. Um, and they also do like all the espresso bar drinks, like cortados, macchiatos, espressos, like whatever. Um, and they roast their own beans too. And they have, um, I don't really know if they have direct relationships with any farmers or semi direct, but. They get a lot of um, specialty, like, beans. Um, not, like, super specialty, but, like, everything that you would need. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Do you ever buy beans from them? I did. A couple times I bought um, beans, uh, really just for daily drinking. 
So um, they weren't like super expensive beans, um, but they were still good. Mm-hmm. Mm, nice. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Did you did you just uh, make coffee at home, or did you uh, go anywhere? Yeah, generally I just make coffee at home. Um, like I said, I did go to a coffee shop to buy beans. So that day, mm-hmm. I I did buy coffee. I just pretty much whenever I go to the coffee shop, I just get drip. Um, but yeah, I mean, drip was pretty good. Is is a place called Crooked Tree. It's in uptown here in Dallas. Um, I mostly just go there buy beans. But that day, I was just I was just needing that coffee, and I wasn't gonna get home for a few hours. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I picked it up. Just got it to go. But yeah, it's it's pretty solid. Yeah, I feel like every time I go to a coffee shop to buy beans, I have to walk away with a cup of coffee too. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a roaster. There's another roaster here where if you buy beans, they'll give you a free drink. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah, yeah, and it can be any drink on the menu too. So it can be an espresso drink or something like that. Yeah. So that's actually pretty nice. That is nice. When I was in um, Chicago. I um, went to a place, the store I visited was called The Mothership, but their actual oh. coffee brand is, I think, called something else. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, it was called Dark Matter. Yeah, Dark Matter Coffee. And uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they give you a free cup of coffee for every uh, bag you buy. So that day... I think I bought like three bags, and so like they're like, "Do you want three bag, three cup, three cups of coffee?" Or, <laughs> <laughs> and I had actually had coffee already that day, so I was like, even one, I was like, uh, I probably shouldn't, but I ended up getting a cold brew. Yeah, so I guess for our coffee topic today, um, uh, we, you know, just kind of thinking about the stray and how in Westworld, um, this one. Uh, host kind of find it finds its way into the back parts of a of the park and so that got me thinking what do we do whenever we wander out of our homes so you know you don't always have all the great amenities for making coffee whenever you're traveling abroad or on a road trip so what do you do Uh, There's always the option of not making your own coffee and buying, but that means you're either having really crummy gas station coffee or shelling out a lot of money just to get your caffeine for that day. Uh, This kind of question might seem kind of dumb and really make us seem like snobs, but we started this podcast to talk about frivolous stuff like this. So what do you do, Mm -hmm. Dill? Yeah, the coffee while traveling, I think for any... Anybody, not even a coffee snob, you know, I feel like even people that just drink coffee every day and just depend on it don't really matter where they drink it from. When they travel, it becomes that question, how will I get that caffeine fix? Um, It just gets more complicated if we're trying to go for high-quality beans and brews. Mm -hmm. So um, I I think we talked about it a little bit on last week's episode, I think, and and we even have an article that we'll put in the show notes about travel coffee kits. And generally, it seems like a travel favorite is to use the AeroPress, which we mm-hmm. talked a bit about last week. And um, I've tried that, and it, I think it really depends. When you're traveling, you have to know what kind of travel you're doing, like where you're going to be. So, mm-hmm. like this Christmas, I traveled home to visit my family, 
Yeah. And I was staying at my cousin's house. So I had a whole kitchen, you know, a bunch of space and whatnot. And I took an AeroPress, and oh, it worked yeah. out really well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that whole kitchen and all that space. Uh, what I ended up doing was I I brought a hand grinder. It's It looks like a Porlex, but it's just a knockoff because the Porlex is really expensive. But um, uh-huh. the good thing is that people usually pair those. And so it's like this stainless steel-looking hand grinder. That actually fits inside the AeroPress. Oh wow! So it becomes this really compact thing. I mean, it's it's not like flush in there, but yeah, it can right. go in that kind of syringe handle. So That's people dope. like using that for travel. Yeah. So I took that. Um, yeah, and then I took like a mason jar of some beans and stuff, and that's that's all I needed because I could get hot water from them. So yeah. if you're just going to like Airbnb, you're gonna have a house or something. In my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You can kind of bring whatever as long oh, as you yeah. can bring it on the trip. Mm-hmm. But um, I've tried to use the AeroPress in a hotel room before, yeah. and it gets pretty messy because you don't have any counter space in a hotel. Right. You just kind of have a little desk or something like that. And I found myself kind of fumbling around and like trying to figure it out. And because um, the AeroPress has a couple of different pieces, it can get a little little chaotic i think yeah so yeah that's kind of things i've tried in the past there's also like so if i'm going camping or something like that Mm -hmm. or just somewhere where it just feels weird like um this this past summer i went on a mission trip with my church and i i brought instant coffee and part of me was like oh what if i just like brought the aeropress and stuff but I was like, uh, this feels kind of weird to <laughs> bring all this stuff in, in this context. So I just brought instant uh, coffee. And yeah, yeah and honestly, it, you know, instant can can get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of different instant ones you can get at the grocery store. There's some really expensive ones, too. But, yeah. you know, in a pinch, I'm personally fine with instant. So yeah. it just kind of depends. But... Other than that, yeah, AeroPress is, is, it can be nice. Mm-hmm. It just kind of depends. But, yeah, what about you? Well, break us down on what Porlex is because I have not heard of Is that a grinder? Oh, yeah. the por- I'm pretty sure it's called the Porlex. It's a brand. Uh, we can put a link in the notes. But it's, yeah, it's a hand grinder. So, you, so maybe we should take a step back. So when, when you're traveling for coffee... And in general, there are a couple of things you need to consider. Mm-hmm. Like um, you need a way to get your beans, and a way to brew it, and a way to get water. That's mm-hmm. generally, I think, the three. Beans, water. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Beans, brew method, and water. Mm-hmm. And I guess like cup or something, but I'm yeah. just going to let that be a given. Yeah. So, yeah. So with beans, you have to consider, do you want pre-ground coffee or do you want to grind it yourself? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, usually uh, grinding it fresh is the way to go. But, you know, if bringing a grinder just doesn't work or you don't have one to travel with, then you can do pre-ground. But the Porlex is a hand grinder that people recommend because it's really compact. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of knockoffs on Amazon, which is what I have. I have one. I think it's called the Java Press or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a small little little hand grinder and like I said it fits with the AeroPress. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to decide um do you want to bring a grinder? Do you want to also cuz beans are bigger when they're not ground. So mm-hmm. you got to bring a container for that too. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the first step. And then the second one, how you're going to brew it. AeroPress is pretty easy. You don't need a gooseneck or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're to do, like, a pour-over, then that'd be a little bit harder. Yeah. Although, um, so, that, like, the V6C, you definitely couldn't. Um, but with the, maybe, like, the Kalita Wave or something where it has multiple holes and it can restrict the flow... Mm-hmm. You could use a normal kettle. It wouldn't be as good, obviously, but you could do that. I've actually thought about that before, using mm-hmm. like a metal Kalita Wave or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been restricting myself on new coffee purchases, so <laughs> I, I haven't gotten one yet. Yeah. But yeah, so that's whatever brew method you choose. Okay. And then water um, is another thing. So what I have, which is a fantastic gift from my previous roommate, Mm-hmm. Is that uh, Bonavita has a travel electric kettle? Oh, I think it's like half a liter or something like that. So it's pretty small, uh-huh. and yeah. you just plug it in, and it's it's like a hot water kettle, like electric kettle, but it's just a lot smaller. So uh-huh. that and the AeroPress, uh, you're good to go, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so those are kind of the three different things I think about, like the beans, the brew method, and the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what have you done? Um. Hmm. You know, I actually am not am not in the habit of um, burning my whole coffee kit whenever I'm traveling. Um, it just doesn't come to my attention very much um, because to me, traveling is an opportunity to try coffee from you know a coffee shop or um, to maybe splurge a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm not very frugal in that way. Um, but I think that allows me to experience, like, truly experience a coffee shop instead of, you know, going to your neighborhood one and it's kind of being this, kind of being this ritual that you're into and you understand. But traveling to me really opens up the doors to kind of an authentic uh, first, kind of a firsthand experience of, like, a new coffee shop. So that's exciting to me. Um, I have actually... Uh, used these travel um, all-in-one drippers before. I don't know if I ever showed oh. you a picture. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. It's it it uh it has the beans pre-ground in them. So unfortunately, um, you know, ground pre-ground beans um not being a prerequisite for fresh coffee, but it has these pre-ground beans in them, and it's inside already of a, a little filter. So you open up the filter and it's disposable. It kind of like opens up into like this rectangular uh, drip uh, receptacle. You pour in your water and it's uh, less like a pour over, more like a steeping bag. And uh, the water fills the bag all the way up and then the coffee drips out and you have to do that probably four or five times and then you'll have like a couple cups of coffee. Mm, interesting. Is that any good? It was good, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe I'm not, uh, you know, my, my palate is not as nuanced as yours, but it tasted fine. Um, hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that the beans were, like, remarkable or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, though, uh, from Taiwan, like a, a Taiwanese... Um, um, they, I guess they grow their own uh, coffee, and so they, um, it's like off of Alisan, and they, um, they had like this little, 
uh, package uh, of a yeah like travel pour over coffee. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you just throw the whole thing away after, or yeah, like it comes in like this uh, little uh, kind of this flat uh, rectangular bag. You rip it open. You take the pour over device out. You use it, and you just throw throw everything away. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I've um I don't know if you've heard of Verve coffee roasters. They're they're pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I follow them on, on social and they they've advertised basically it's, it's basically like a cardboard pop up pour over. Oh. And then you you actually put normal filters in it and mm-hmm. then you just use it as a pour over, but it folds flat. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and because this cardboard is super cheap, I think it's cardboard, but um, I've thought about buying it just to see, but uh, that's, that's one of those impulse purchases I currently have, have staved off. Yeah. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of different interesting um, options out there. Yeah. And in that article that, that we have, there's actually, I think, the last one, because they, they list a different couple of kits, mm-hmm. and it seems like most of them are about the AeroPress or... Um, or something like that. But then the last one is like this all-in-one like mug thing where it has a grinder and the brew method oh, and wow. it's a thermos. Yeah, I, I don't know. That that sounds a little suspect to me. Like, mm-hmm. it, like, I don't imagine even at its best that probably can't be that great in my opinion. Yeah. But, I mean, it's pretty interesting to think about. And there's this, I actually don't remember what it's called. It might have been a Kickstarter thing. But I, I saw it at the mall once where it's basically supposed to simulate espresso or espresso mm-hmm. and it's a thermos where you make the pressure by pumping like this lever on outside of the thermos or something. Mm-hmm. And then the espresso drips out the bottom. Um so yeah, there's a, a lot of different travel brew methods. I think that's like a whole other rabbit hole you could fall down into. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, Kalita makes, uh, their own single cup, single use coffee filters. Um, Mm. if you just search that on Amazon, Kalita, I think it's called the Cantan, uh, single use coffee filter. It's like a pack of like 20, 20 or 30. Um, and, uh, it, it looks exactly like what I had, uh, in Taiwan, um, Mm. So you just pour it up, pour it in, and throw it away. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's one other thing I tried in the realm of instant coffee. So there's there's a couple of companies out there trying to make basically really high quality instant. And mm. one of the companies I tried was called Sudden Coffee. Okay. They're based out of California, uh, like a coffee startup. Mm-hmm. But their claim is that it's instant coffee with pour over quality. Um, mm. I was already suspect when I first heard that, but I, once I saw it, I couldn't not try. Yeah. So, I mean, it comes, it's, it's a great little package. Uh, they have a little postcard of where the coffee's from and it, each, it, it comes with individual tubes, mm-hmm. like these clear tubes with the coffee inside and you just kind of pour it in the water and mix it. Um, I will say it's, it's the best instant I've had, mm. but it can't. It doesn't compare to a pour over, in my opinion. You know, something you can just brew normally. But right. I, actually, I was, I was pretty impressed with uh, where the quality was. But the only thing is that they're pretty expensive. 
I think it was pretty close to like if you just went to buy a cup of coffee at a shop, uh, yeah, like per cup of like sudden. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like, nah, I don't think that's worth it. <laughs> so because, like you said, you know, if you're traveling and you have the opportunity to go to a shop not in your own city, then right. that's generally a, a good experience and something that I would like to do anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I could see if you rely on a daily cup each morning at a specific time, I mean, you got to have some sort of ritual or some sort of, uh, not ritual, but just some sort of plan in place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I guess we can start talking about the Westworld episode for this week. For sure. It wraps up coffee. Um, give us that, give so us yes. those sweet words, though. Yeah, yeah. So this week, we're talking about episode three of Westworld, The Stray. In this episode, William pulls Logan into a bounty hunt, and we learn about Teddy's new backstory. Dolores stays back in Sweetwater as Teddy and his group set out to kill his old army sergeant, Wyatt who's become a cult leader in the wilderness. Teddy's group is ambushed, and the cultists seem to easily take them down. Meanwhile, Elsie discovers that some hosts are talking to someone named Arnold, and Elsie and Ashley go after a stray who has wandered into the wilderness. Later, we actually discover that Arnold is Ford's old partner, who he claims died in the park by accident. Bernard continues to meet with Dolores, and is revealed that Dolores is actually having thoughts that are evolving. She says that she actually wants to be free. When Elsie and Ashley find the stray stuck in a hole, the stray goes nuts and kills himself with a huge rock. Dolores returns home to find her family attacked by bandits, which is normal for her narrative, but this time she actually shoots Rebus and kills him. Then she rides away, and she runs into William and Logan, who are at a campfire um, on their bounty hunt. So, Mm. yeah, this... There's a lot going on in this third episode of Westworld, but there what is. are some of your thoughts? Yeah, man, just really quick, I love this episode. Yeah. Uh, this episode, to me, was a big upgrade from the last one. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, n- Nothing against the second episode, but I think it just was a lot slower. Mm-hmm. And I-, I don't know if it was with the contrast to the first episode, like... Having to follow that up is pretty hard. Yeah. So that that could also impacted it a little bit. Where yeah. now our expectations are a little more tempered. But definitely this third episode, I liked it a lot. I yeah, I really liked this episode because I felt like it returned to the narrative of of uh, Sweetwater, and mm-hmm. um, like you know, only three episodes into Westworld, I feel like the best episodes, and this is uh, this is just going to be conjecture. The best episodes are going to be the ones that focused on a central narrative while the kind of are these human, are these robots, is this company bad, is this company good? Those two things are less of a focal point than the actual story. And mm. and it doesn't drive the episode. Like I feel like episode two was totally driven by, oh, it's like, let's get meta. Like, oh, you know, these hosts are becoming uh, more conscious and self-aware. And, oh, they realize that, you know, Maeve realizes that there's a company. Whereas, like, in episode three, it was like, all right, let's get back to this. Let's get back to developing this story and and, and kind of, like, and and can I just, I don't know. Maybe for me, like, I I need something more linear and uh, something more um, solid so that I can kind of explore and kind of imagine kind of the, the more meta stuff. Cause like, I feel like in, in the second episode, everything was just like, 
like laid out laid out there in front of you you know mm. yeah yeah i think also like when, when they're trying to talk about the meta stuff it, it can be hard to connect with as an audience member so i think yeah i, I definitely agree and this one they kind of this one, I felt like there's just so much happening, but at the same time, it mm-hmm. all worked together. Yeah. You know, it worked together mm-hmm. to move the story forward. I feel like they were all related, and I felt like, again, we were immersed in that world, mm-hmm. whereas in the second episode, we just, not as much. Again, like you said, they were kind of like telling us and, and just showing us, but this one, I felt like, yeah, we, we were drawn back in um, right. to Westworld. Yeah, uh, so I guess we can just start talking about one of the big parts of this story. Mm-hmm. Is this guy named Arnold. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Well, what are your thought thoughts on Arnold supposedly being this guy that helped start the park, but also now the hosts are talking to him and maybe mm-hmm. hallucinating? I don't know. Well, the the key word there is supposedly. You know, like is this Arnold guy even real? You know, mm-hmm. um. The only evidence we have of him are these, like, quote-unquote flashbacks that we saw when um, Ford was talking about him. So, is he even real? Is Ford actually Arnold? Is Arnold mm. some guy that's wandering around the park? Uh, or is Arnold really dead, like he said? Mm. Yeah, it's super vague. You know, he's talking to, to Bernard in his office. Ford is talking to Bernard in his office. And he's like, yeah, Arnold died in what we called an accident. Mm-hmm. And then, it's, and then he just leaves it at that. Where it's like, obviously, um, so, there's more to it, and he's yeah. he's not even trying to hide that fact. But then they just kind of leave it. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, you, you gotta give us a little bit more. And mm-hmm. and just even the whole possibility that the host could be hallucinating. I mean, I guess the rational explanation is that there's something wrong in the code or something like that. Right, right. But the right. way it just like presents itself is that. You know, because we, we, and from the previous episodes, you know, that guy goes on his killing spree. Mm-hmm. And then in this episode, we get a little bit of a different perspective where the camera is watching him. Mm-hmm. And we see that he's trying to talk to someone. You know, he's talking to Arnold. Mm-hmm. And so it just seems really even more creepy, I guess. Yeah. You know, if like, if people weren't already creeped out by the fact that there are these. Um, robot host things that basically could fool you that they're human mm-hmm. but now you see one actually looking like it's hallucinating and like going a little bit crazy mm-hmm. um, just kind of doesn't feel right right yeah um, yeah and and it was, the voice the quote unquote Arnold voice was everywhere like I think Dolores heard something like kill him or something when she was <laughs> In that barn. So maybe that was Arnold. Um, I don't know. And, and you're right. It could be uh, something that's just written in their code, or maybe it's something a little bit more spiritual, something a little bit more uh, supernatural, or maybe it's technological, like Arnold's hacking mm-hmm. into the system. I don't know. Yeah. And even so, it, I could even see it. I, I think it won't go this way, maybe, because I think it's a little bit too easy. Mm-hmm. But, like, this voice, this Arnold, could just be a way to control the hosts mm-hmm. um, and kind of exert con- control over them in a way where you're not just straight-up remote controlling them. But because right, right. they they kind of they, they have their own sentience and whatnot a bit, and so it's like yeah. you're controlling them through manipulating them. Like, yeah. they don't even know. Right. And then everyone else doesn't know either. 
But yeah, that was really weird. Yeah, yeah. when Dolores was in the barn and it was just like that voice, and I was like, "What?" The? Dude, that kind of gave me chills. Like, no lie, I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so that, that that was weird too. I, I think even talking about that scene where Dolores is able to kill Rebus, like for a while I thought because before that there's a scene where Dolores is with Teddy, mm-hmm. and Teddy is trying to teach her how to shoot a gun, mm-hmm. and um, she's not able to. Yeah, and I I wasn't sure like because they briefly zoom in on her hand holding the gun. Mm-hmm. And it looked like to me like the trigger was pulled, but I couldn't really tell. It was too fast. Uh-oh. So I was like, does a gun not fire when it's in her hand? Hmm. But then um, she's later able to kill Rebus. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what's happening? Like, I, I was pretty confused. I don't know if you had yeah. any thoughts on that. Well, that was Rebus's gun that she took, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, he, he checked his his uh, little uh, holster and it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to what you were saying about Arnold being kind of like this guide or I think you were kind of hitting at, hinting at like a conscience, a con, uh, like a conscience, did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Conscience yeah. in the host's brains. Like what if since Ford and Arnold were partners in making, uh, Sweetwater or Westworld, they function in different ways, like in the present, like Ford is kind of the, um, kind of the um, person who constructs like the actual systems that the hosts are in and creates boundaries and, and barriers and narratives while Arnold was kind of like this kind of like almost like spiritual slash like conscience inside of the hosts that are like, you know, kind of providing that secondary means of control. Hmm. Dang. I don't know. Now, that's that's pretty meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where Yeah, Ford could be making... Like the real stuff, like the tangible things you could feel, and then mm-hmm. Arnold is representative of their conscious consciousness in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that's really a core part of this episode is trying mm-hmm. to talk about the idea of a consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think you know. After I watched the episode, I was trying to reflect on it a little bit, and I was like, Yeah, I feel like. This consciousness is a big part of the episode, and I think they show it through a couple of different ways. Like, So I, I was thinking, like, what is a consciousness? Mm-hmm. And then in the episode, it kind of shows a couple of things that the hosts experience. So I think uh, one is, like, the hosts um, start to have a memory. Like, we see Dolores kind of thinking back and remembering all the, basically all the bad things that have happened to her. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, so that that's kind of one part of it, and then also like the just Dolores being able to think for herself, kind of like kind of seems like she has her own free will. Yeah, like she broke whatnot. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like something there similar to back when she first slapped that fly. Yes, I think when she first, then when she pulls the trigger, it's like another step, like another th- major thing has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like it's just like the journey of them. I guess becoming more, I, I don't know, I guess sentient is the word, or like just self-aware. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I feel like that was really kind of what they were presenting and showing. But at the same time, is like they are somewhat hallucinating, and I, I didn't really get that part either, though. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think um, consciousness is a big... Um, theme in the second 
uh, third episode, excuse me, I thought it was interesting how they had flashbacks to their memories. And um, mm-hmm. you, you might be able to touch on this too, but like how does uh, one's memories or having memories um, dictate your present actions and give you some sort of conscience? Um, mm-hmm. Like it's almost like the host could kind of know what to do next based on their memory and whether they choose to or not is like out of their own volition. But with Dolores, she like towards the end of the episode, she started to see flashbacks to previous lived time, lived, um, not timelines, just lived narratives. And she Mm -hmm. began making her own decisions. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think it, it culminates in that scene with Revis, where she flashes back to the man in the black hat. Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting because you just feel like they, you know, Dolores is going through this internal, like, battle within mm-hmm. herself. Like, she remembers the man in the black hat uh, basically torturing her or, or whatever, you know. Um, and then that is what motivates her to be able to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. So even just like, yeah, that internal wrestling, I think, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And and at the same time, I felt in this episode they gave a bunch of parallels between the hosts and the humans. Mm-hmm. Like in the like in one of the very first scenes with William, um, he's there at Sweetwater and whatnot. And there's this uh, criminal that breaks free, and then he starts shooting everybody yeah. and takes one one of the people hostage. Yep. And then um, William pulls out his gun, mm-hmm. and then he sits there and he's wrestling with himself. Mm-hmm. Like, can he pull the trigger? Right, um, and at first he doesn't. He actually gets shot, mm-hmm. but then he comes back and he's able to do it. And then when Dolores is also wrestling with, "Can I pull this trigger?" I actually thought straight back to that first scene. Oh and I was like, snap! I was like, whoa! Like they're it's like the same experience, yeah, being experienced by human and host. Yeah, I so didn't. Like, it's kind of blurring that, that line. Wow, yeah. that's deep. Yeah, so I I don't really know what that means, but I was just like that. That seems important. Well, that that makes me, yeah, that kind of makes me think about, like, okay, there's, like, two levels here. Like, on the one hand, you have this conscience or this um, just ability to think, right? This ability to think differently. And then on the second level, you have, like, actually acting upon it. So, like, with Dolores, I'm sure she's had these memories before. Like, this wasn't, I mean, it could be this is the first time it's, like, happening a lot, but maybe these hosts are just very good at suppressing these divergent thoughts or these uh, old memories. And the more and more that they think about them, the more and more that they come across these, like these situations of cognitive dissonance, the more and more they're able to act upon their own will. And like the only reason that she actually shot Rebus instead of just fearing Rebus and just having traumatic memories is because she took that next step. Like I could also see her just, us kind of taking a, a view inside her mind, just seeing those traumatic events and just it happening to her again and her, and she doing nothing and, and just like, and, and Dolores doing nothing. But mm. the key is that she actually acted and she actually did something, mm-hmm. which is like kind of the next level of being more autonomous as a, as a human, as a host, like more than just having a, a divergent thought or to have a conscience, you are now acting upon that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that this is one of those times when, like, 
my my head starts hurting after <laughs> I watch the episode. Like there's just like this this slight mental fog, and I'm like, yeah. wow, that feels really really deep, and there's a lot I I don't know quite yet. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, you know, I I think uh, throughout these, I mean, only three episodes so far, you can it's like yeah, this journey of the hosts becoming more aware and mm-hmm. being able to think for themselves, and yeah, and I think even. You know, slightly going back to Arnold, too, like, I think that's what Ford was saying Arnold wanted, Hmm. was that the host would be able to be conscious and, like, make their own decisions. And he, like, says his line to to Bernard, and he's like, the hosts aren't real. Hmm. That was was Arnold's mistake, apparently, Mm -hmm. Um, whatever that means. But, um, Yeah. yeah, it's just weird, like, they, like, their job as, like, Westworld as the company and whatever is to make these hosts real, like mm-hmm. as real as possible. But then at the same time, like that yeah. becomes blurring the lines. Like yeah. I guess maybe Arnold has some like mental break or something. But mm-hmm. and didn't yeah. like um didn't Ford like go up and cut some hosts in the face too? In oh yeah, that, that was really weird. Yeah, like like what's up with Ford in this episode? I feel like some something really changed with him too. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, what you said, like, these hosts aren't real. I think he said something similar when he uh, was talking to the the, um, the newbie engineer as he got the scalpel and, like, just straight up cussed his dude, like, across the, ch- the cheek. Oh, yeah, that, that was really weird. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think I remember, yeah, I remember the scene because the host, the, the engineer, like, covered the host up because usually they're just sitting there naked. Mm. And then he, like, put a blanket on them or something, some sort of cover. And then mm-hmm. Ford comes over. Ford actually looks mad in mm-hmm. that scene. Mm-hmm. He's straight up like, hey, this, th- these aren't people, you know? They don't feel emotion. They don't feel shame mm-hmm. or pain. And he cuts him. And I was like, dang, Ford, you have no heart. Because <laughs> like, I, I feel like before, when Ford were fir- was first introduced, he seemed like the guy that cared about the hosts because mm-hmm. he was their creator, you know? Right, right. It seemed like he, you know, he was sitting, like, in that deep dungeon, whatever, like, having a drink with one of the original hosts. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, you yep. know, having that tender moment. Yep. And then fast forward to episode three, he's cutting one across the face with a scalpel. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm like, what what happened? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, like, this further revelation of Ford, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That definitely took me back. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, what, what do you think? Do you feel like this could be revealing more about Ford to be maybe he's actually a little bit more evil? Because um, I know in the first episode you asked about that. Like, what if Ford is like a bad guy? You know, um, I don't know. Ford could also just be a lot more complex than we're than we're playing him out to be. You know, just like you know, uh, any character or any person, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like he's, he, yeah, like you're saying, he's he's making some big personality, personality changes here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, maybe it means, maybe it tells us more about the whole show of Westworld. Like, is there a good guy? Is there a bad guy? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean... Um, you know, is Bernie a good guy? Is Bernie a bad guy? I don't... Yeah, I just yeah, don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was another thing in this episode. You know, Bernie and his meetings with Dolores. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's just like a private thing that he's kind of doing on the side that no one else knows about. 
and I'm just not quite sure yet what the motivation for those conversations are. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this it, that could potentially open it up to where uh, Bernie is doing something either sinister or I, I mean I doubt it's innocent because he's hiding. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe something less sinister than our imaginations would lead us to believe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it almost seems like everything Dolores is going through, like, she, with, you know, shooting Rebus and even before that, like, finding the pistol and whatever, mm-hmm. um, seems like that's almost happening because of those conversations mm. with um, with Bernard. Right, He's right. kind of, um, I, I don't know if he's doing a side experiment or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's having conversations with her. He's making sure no one else is, like, tinkering with her. It mm-hmm. seems like he's allowing her to remember, almost. Yeah. Um, to see what could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Right. But. The question about whether Ford is good or bad or whether Bernard is good or bad, I think, um, will obviously will become more obvious uh, as the show, as the series goes on but i think it also uh is kind of answered by and i don't have the answers by their characteristics by their kind of character and how they deal with the robots like ford i think even in the first episode even though he had that very genuine conversation with the old host he still treated them like hosts like Mm -hmm. they're they're robots and very much understood that these are not um uh creatures with feelings and and uh, emotions, but Bernard certainly treats Dolores as if she's like her daughter or as if she is, um, you know, truly his creation and and of his like flesh and blood Uh, versus Ford kind of sees him as more of his workers or um, yeah, just um, like his um, products less of like a, like a actual creation. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You know, I just feel like as time goes on, we get to know a little bit more about each of the different characters. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually think that's actually another parallel aspect of this episode. I thought it was interesting because Ford tells us a little bit more. Uh, he tells us about Arnold, but mm-hmm. I think also that's that's part of his own story too because mm-hmm. Arnold was a coworker, maybe a friend or something. And so we get a little bit more about Ford's backstory and then we also get that scene where Bernard is talking to his, I, I assume, ex-wife. Um, and, they're, and they're talking about their son. And so yeah. we uh, get a little bit more of his backstory, too. Mm-hmm. While in Westworld, Ford is giving Teddy a new backstory. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I feel like there's just a all this, like, odd, yeah, a lot of backstories. Um, so, yeah. Um, Maybe we could talk a little bit more about that Teddy storyline, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, did you have any, any thoughts on, on the introduction of Wyatt? Uh, You know, to me, he's very much like the man in the black hat. You know, he's mm-hmm. a, kind of a plot device. Um, I think less so than um, uh, Ed Harris's character, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, didn't really think too much of it. What about you? Yeah, um... I agree. It's kind of interesting that Ford wanted to do that, I guess. It seemed like he might be building up to something bigger mm-hmm. with that backstory. But then at the same time, they already let it go forward, you know? like mm-hmm. I think it shows Teddy pursuing Wyatt into the woods or whatever. 
and then mm-hmm. um, Teddy just gets killed again. Yeah. It seems like every episode, Teddy just dies. Teddy. And you just feel bad for him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was an interesting move that Ford decided to do that. From right. I guess apparently before, they just literally left his backstory blank. Right. Um, and decided to go that way. But, yeah, I don't know. It might and come more into play in a later episode. Right. And Thor being so savage, like, saying, like, oh, we just gave you this insurmountable guilt to, uh, um, you know, feel like you always have to fight for your girl, Dolores. But she's really not ever going to be yours. We just want you to fight for her so that, you know, someone can have the gratification of stealing your girl. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, my God. Uh, Thor, you really are the evil one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I should just had a thought, like, you know, Teddy and Dolores are obviously, they, they, you know, they're like this romantic relationship, this this couple in the storylines. Mm-hmm. But then they're being presented, I think, as um, opposite ends of the spectrum. Like Teddy, he just keeps going along with the narrative. Whatever mm-hmm. they tell him, he just does it. You know, he, you know, you want to get chopped up by axes? Teddy's like, all right. Yeah. Um, but then Dolores is the one who's actually thinking for herself. Mm. Um, and like they're this couple and like even in their own conversations Dolores is like hey let's escape you know have you ever thought about just leaving mm-hmm. and then Teddy's like yeah I got I got some stuff to handle but it, you know <laughs> maybe later um, mm-hmm. but then Dolores is like you know later means never so yeah, yeah I see mm-hmm. yeah I see that interesting dynamic too where like they're the couple but then Dolores is becoming more self-aware whereas Teddy is really just playing the role of the host right right yeah yeah, whereas, like, a, a quote-unquote good Dolores would be like, oh, all right, I'll wait for you when you come back. You yeah. Know, instead, of, <laughs> instead of actually caring. Yeah, yeah. So I actually like how they bring back a lot of the same scenes. You know, like, the narrative obviously repeats itself, mm-hmm. and they, they use that as a storytelling device to show that things are different. Yes, you yes. You know, like, we talked about, like, Dolores, like, she goes back to her house you know, and replays that first scene from the first episode of like, oh, her her family ranch is getting robbed and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it just ends up so differently. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And that moves the story forward, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's, it's the exact same scene. Yeah, yeah. It's like more so than just showing us like Dolores is thinking for herself, but it's like how does this scene play out, which we've actually seen already multiple times. Mm-hmm. It's like it gets further and further from what's written out. Mm-hmm. Any uh, any other quick hitters before we uh, wrap up this part of the podcast? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I guess there's just like a couple random factoids thrown out there. Like um, I think Logan says that they're paying forty thousand dollars a day to be mm-hmm. at the park. That's yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. I can't even imagine that. And it seems like they were there for like multiple days. Yeah. So yeah, that's so much. I, I, yeah. So then that also answers the question about like the narrative. Like it's got to be more than just one day, right? Mm. If if they're paying for more than uh, multiple days, hopefully that they're not just doing the same narrative. And I think we see kind of a, a multiple day narrative with Teddy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought the funniest part of the episode was when the, uh, those cowboys were waiting by the fire or the <laughs> non-fire <laughs> and they were just talking about like, oh, does anyone know like where this dude is again? This, this dude is, you know, we're trying to start a fire 
And then the uh, the engineers walk up like, yeah, we just unfortunately did not um, program any of these guys to know how to start a fire or cho- uh, chop wood. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. She She's like, yeah, they're like two days late to go into the town or something because <laughs> yeah. they just keep like, well, where's the fire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. I, I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, any other thoughts on the episode for you? No, um, I'd be curious uh, uh, of what, you know, people who are listening to this podcast think. I think by episode three, we have just uh, so many juicy questions. A lot of, uh, we get, we got a lot more information. uh, So that kind of helps us imagine and kind of like conjure up some, some predictions about uh, what's going to happen next. I think it's just, it's adding more questions, but it's making their questions more meaningful. Mm -hmm, For sure, for sure. And as every week passes, as I watch another episode, I just want, you know, I want to go and like binge the rest, but I know that would just ruin the experience in some ways, (laughs) you know, like we're here, we're trying to talk about it, trying to really dive a little bit deeper. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to just getting further into this West world. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, so as always, I, I guess we'll just move on to the last segment of our podcast. Um, after talking about the TV show, we mm-hmm. just want to end and kind of ask each other, what's making you happy this week? So, Joe, what's making you happy this week? Uh, what's making me happy this week? I actually just came back from a um, an amusement park in um, Cincinnati, Ohio, called Kings Island. And I haven't been there for probably about... 20-something years? I went there when I was like a little kid. Oh, yeah, and they actually still have one of the old rides that was there when I was going or when I went uh, called The Beast. And at that time, it was the fastest, highest, most rickety ride there, but it was like awesome. And to this day, after riding all those other rides, like steel rides, super high drop, um, inversion, twisty, loopy, just all these new rides, it's still the best. The Beast. Hmm. Okay. I, I thought you were going to go and be like, yeah, 20 years ago, that thing was amazing. It was the best. <laughs> but now, it's, it's like, you know, yeah. Or like, you know, it, the drop was only like 10 feet or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I respect that the park has been around that long and it's still going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, did, did did that bring back some memories for you? It didn't, because uh, I have a very poor memory. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was fun. Yeah, I, I I didn't. I forgot how much fun I have, or I forgot how fun a uh, amusement park can be. Yeah, for sure. I personally am not as into uh, roller coasters and stuff, mm-hmm. but I I know, I know I know people really enjoy them. Um, I, I've gotten to a point where I, I can tolerate them. Um, so, like, I, I you know, I, I, I'm a little bit afraid of heights. Like, you know, my, get that stomach drop, the butterflies. I'm like, ugh. Um, but in college, I, I used to go to um, Six Flags over here. Six Flags over um, yeah. in Arlington. Mm-hmm. And, like, before, like, I, I would go down the ride. I'm like, why am I here? Like, why why am I paying for, for like, pain, basically? <laughs> Um, yeah. but after going a few times while I was in college, I, I've come to be like, okay with them, but definitely not, not one of my favorite things, but I, I know people really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, what's making you happy this week, Dill? Yeah, this week. Um, so I have a friend that's moving out of town. That's not the happy part. That's the sad part. <laughs> but um, we, we had a little get together with some of our like you know childhood crew, um, and we you know just every time we get together, even though we don't keep up all the time, it's it's just really good. You know, it's like old times. You just kind of pick back up where you left off yeah and uh, yeah just have a really good time together uh, one of the things we did is that um we played the nintendo switch oh. and we played this game called overcooked i don't know if you've ever Ooh, played that yes um yes, it's so much is, fun is super stressful <laughs> yeah yeah it's it crazy stressful but yeah it's so much fun i i liked it so much um and yeah it made me really want to get a switch again which mm-hmm. I, I go on and off thinking about all the time yeah, but uh, yeah, that game was super fun, and it was like, yeah, a bunch of us had never played it before, so we were playing it for the first time, and like, it was like the first time I played a level, like I, I, I basically got no explanation. I was yeah. like, I, I don't, I don't even know what this game is, and it's just like, just go, and I was like, what's happening? Just go, and then like, yeah, and just like fall off the edge and like die and like, <laughs> like throw throw all the ingredients off the edge and stuff. And I'm like, what's happening? Um, but yeah, that, that was a lot of fun just being able to be with them and play the switch and then give me another reason to buy something and spend money. <laughs> but very nice. Well, uh, thanks as always for pouring it over with me uh, and Dill. Um, Dill, I didn't know that, uh, you were so savvy with the, uh, coffee travel stuff. Mm. Um, I can't wait to see the next episode of Westworld and find out if those cowboys ever get that campfire started and have dinner. Uh, We'll bring you more coffee news and banter on the next podcast. And feel free to email us or reach out to us on our social media if you have any ideas to make our show better. Yeah, this was the Pour Over Podcast brought to you by Joe and Dill. You can email us at pouroveshow at gmail.com. And tweet us at pourover underscore show. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. You can find him on Instagram at Here Comes Daniel. The music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us and take care. <laughs>